Hey guys, it's Ben. I just wanted to very, very quickly hop on before we start the podcast officially. You'll hear the intro in a second and let you know that this was filmed live on Zoom. There was a couple audio glitches um, and the video didn't turn out the way I wanted it to. So originally we were going to release a video, um, but we are releasing the full audio going forward. There will be video for the Zoom podcast calls. Uh, let me not talk too much and get straight into the episode. Let's go.
Hey everyone, welcome to the Rochester Groovecast podcast, your top podcast source for live, local, regional music interviews and events from Rochester, New York and the surrounding area. I am your host, Ben Albert, and I am excited to bring you a new edition, a brand new setup of the Rochester Groovecast podcast. As you can see, if you're watching uh, or you'll be able to hear it listening, we are actually live on Zoom. We've got about 10 people watching live, which is very cool. There's going to be Q&A later. So every podcast going forward, the goal is to have it all live on Zoom live broadcasted on Zoom with local musicians uh, playing music. What you just heard was Adrian D'Angelo. He is our guest for this new edition. Adrian is a bassist extraordinaire. He's an incredible sound guy. Uh, He's got the nickname Tones for his bass skills and uh, plays with just about everybody, whether it's sitting in and uh, sitting in for a jam, uh, playing with Eli Flynn and the Everyman, uh, Rage Chill and Friends, Darb Jansen, uh, doing music for uh, doing the sound for Three Heads Brewery, uh, basically working 16 hours a day at Sterling Stage, Folk Fest, uh, Marabeats, so on and so forth, uh, doing sound for all our favorite bands, Personal Blend, uh, back in the day playing bass in Subsoil. They really made a crazy, crazy, crazy noise in Rochester. Uh, I remember. First time I saw Adrian play was actually in Lap Giraffe, kind of oh, yeah. a, a jazzy, a jazzy thing there. Um, we'll talk more about that in a moment. Um, just to kind of wrap everything up and, and explain, you know, why I decided to bring the podcast back. Um, the elephants in the room, you know, people are losing jobs. Uh, corona is admittedly. <laughs> making our nation uh, really reevaluate a lot of things. You know, a lot of people going unemployed, then you get unemployed and then you can't get through to unemployment. Um, if you're an artist, if you're a freelancer, the question is, am I going to have income at all? And it, it's really scary times. Now, um, we have two options. We can focus on those negatives or we can find ways to ultimately use the opportunity to communicate better. I don't believe in social distancing. It's more physical distance. We can still socialize. We can still play music um, and we can still support local music. So I'm going to post it in a second, but uh, really want you to support um, Adrian and his endeavors on Venmo, support local musicians. And we're going to be doing these streams going forward to, to really rock and roll and, uh, uh, keep the music going and keep the things live and stay positive. So uh, that's my intro for the day. That That's my explanation as to why we're back and running. I'm really excited uh, to be doing this with y'all. And um, yeah, we've got Adrian here. To, that was an interesting number. So uh, let everyone know what you just played and what inspired you to play that tune. Uh, yes. So the song is called Alone Basela. And it is a song by Avishai Cohen, who is probably one of my big inspirations on the bass guitar and upright bass. Um, He's from Israel originally, and he moved to France. He lived in France for a while. And then he moved to New York City, where he kind of got his big rise as a a big guy in the jazz scene. Um, And that was a song that was in Hebrew, 
Um, and I have the translation here that I think is important because I found I've been playing this song for years, but I'd never tried to sing it. And I never really looked up the lyrics. I just liked the way it sounded. Um, and as I looked up the, the translation, I, I thought it was a really good thing to have for us right now. Um, so the translation is, uh, the song is basically Alomba Seda's, like the oak tree. Like it's about um, an oak tree. And the translation goes, I believe I'm an oak tree in the rock. Even if a storm will hit me, I will keep strong. When I shed a tear, I plant a tree. Sorrow is the soul, and I am nature. I believe in mankind and in the sky. I exist in the ocean and in the tree. As long as I live, I will remember happiness is the people for better and ever. And so I, I really enjoyed kind of that, that speaking of resilience, um, especially in times and recognizing that, you know, we are all humanity in nature. Like all of, all of this is, is working together as one um, and we can get past any kind of storm that comes at us. So I was really, really thrilled to, to be able to kind of put that together for you guys. Love that. I love that. I, I missed it. What is the name of the artist in the song again? Avishai Cohen is the name of the composer. And um, the song is called Alone Basela. Mm, beautiful. And so you don't speak Hebrew. What, what, uh, correct. So, um, what other than the fact it's a beautiful song and that translation really is hitting home, what inspired you to take that kind of challenge? I mean, that's obviously very ambitious uh, for, for you to be working on that kind of thing. Um, besides the meaning, I guess, on this show and performing solo, I usually play guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like, I enjoy doing that, but I think as a, to kind of like show myself as a bass player, which usually I'm way in the background. Um, and to show not just the instrument and its capabilities of being in the foreground, but also kind of to, to show this is the instrument that I, I tone that I love and care for um, first is like the first thing that comes out of me I thought was important. I love it. And uh, how long have you been playing bass and what kind of stirred you? What sent you in that direction? Do you have any childhood memories of... Uh, influences that kind of got you inspired to play well it's funny because like in middle school is when i kind of switched to the bass from piano and i was playing classical piano since i was eight years old um and at one point i i'm like a nervous wreck usually but when i was little it was worse so i had my first piano recital and just absolutely botched it like i could play these songs you know with my you know, with a blindfold and everything, but I could not play anything. I had to restart pieces. It was just a train wreck. And so that quickly made me say, I don't want to play this instrument anymore. It's not cool. What's cool is like playing a guitar, but I was like, everybody plays guitar. I want to play something, you know, a little bit different. And I was really into hip hop at the time. That's like when, when rap for me started kind of coming in and I started realizing, Oh, I, I like this. Like, and so honestly I was playing songs, you know, in middle school, like I was playing, like I'd go up to my teacher and say like, can you help me play candy shop by 50 cent? You know, like I was like learning songs like that at first. Um, so it wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't until later, like it kind of dropped bass for a while and music for a while. Um, and it wasn't until a little later that I came back to it kind of with a different mindset and started playing different music as my musical taste changed, you know, as I grew up. Absolutely. And, uh, 
I mentioned it in the intro. The first time I saw you play was almost 10 years ago, I imagine, in Lap Giraffe. What was, you know, a kind of a basic chronology of, did you have bands before Lap Giraffe? And uh, when did you first start a band and how did that all develop? Um, so <clears throat> the first, my first real like jump into being in a band was actually with Brendan Caroselli, who's a drummer and composer in Rochester. Uh, we went to the same high school and he was a year younger than me, but he had this band that I would go and see all the time. And I really liked them and appreciated the music. And I always kind of secretly wanted to be in the band. And then one day they needed to replace their bass player. And he asked me and I was like, here's my chance. So that band was called IGS, which stood for in good spirit. And that was kind of like, like I kind of credit Brendan almost as being my music teacher. Then this was in, you know, in high school and I just gotten the technique down, but I didn't really understand um, the instrument like I do now and music in, in a more complicated way. And he kind of, you know, just me and him a lot of times was band practice because the other guys would would be busy or whatever. So we'd get together and we'd go over even just one bar of music for hours. And he'd be like, you know, because I'm not getting it. It's something that he wrote probably when he was like 12 years old because he's amazing like that. But he'd, he'd be, I'd be like, oh, I'm not getting it. He'd just be like, keep going. Let's just keep going. Let's just keep going. And I needed somebody like that to help me like really – be like oh yeah i can do this it's just it's just this practice that takes so many times over and over again to get but then i started to get it um so that was that was i was in that band for a while i went off to buffalo to go to the university at buffalo um and i was in a couple bands there really just like college bands and stuff um i was really busy doing i had a radio show at the time actually i started doing sound there working for the student association um i was in ub jam club so i met some guys from that and we started playing music and getting in bands and stuff um i was the uh vice president section of the national organization for the reform marijuana laws and then i became an editor at the paper so i had a bunch of stuff going on um even before even like without music being concerned so it wasn't really at the forefront yet because i was just kind of branching out and trying all these sorts of things um, but I knew that music was what I wanted to do. I just wanted to learn all these different avenues. You know, when I saw somebody doing sound for me, I was like, I want your job. <laughs> how, do I, how do I get your job? Like, this this, this is cool. Like, you get to be here and experience this. And um, so, yeah, it was that was for a while. And then when I came back from Buffalo, back to Rochester, I just wanted to get right into music. And um, my buddy John, who was the drummer, in Lap Giraffe, who actually went to Eastman School of Music, you know, I put out a post on Facebook saying, hey, I'm, I'm here. Could we play? You know, I've been missing this Rochester scene. And he reached out to me immediately and was like, yeah, we're looking for a new bass player for this uh, this band. And so I was really, really interested to, to get into it. Um, I kind of learned the songs. And for some of them, there wasn't like written, excuse me, bass lines or anything. It was just like, He'd be like, oh, yeah, this is, these are the chords. And I could just come up with whatever I wanted. And I kind of liked the freedom of that. Um, so I, I did really enjoy that band a lot. We started playing at Temple Bar and Grill, as you know, um, and, and went on to play a couple other places. Dublin Underground was still around at the time. Mm. Uh, we played there. Um, 
so yeah, that was we were we were young. I was even the older guy in the band then. The other guys in the band all went to FLCC. They were all like twenty year olds writing just this amazing jazz music. Um, and actually, for a while, I think the music department at FLCC used one of our songs as their like ringback tone. <laughs> I don't know if that's still true. If that's still there, somebody might have to confirm that. But that was the case for a little while. Do you guys do your recording there? Yeah, yeah, we did two different like shorter album EP type things. Um, one was in Studio A and one was in Studio B, and I mixed the first one. Um, I had we had a recording engineer come in, record everything, and then I got to go into a studio and, and mix it down. So. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm assuming you went there for the recording technology. FLCC is a great two years. Oh, I didn't go there. Oh, uh, the the, the other guys in my band did. Awesome. They were there for just, I think, jazz studies, pretty much all of them. Cool. Yeah. I didn't know they offered that. That's awesome. And, and obviously having that freedom when you play is great. Um, given the fact you just did a song that's in a whole different language, I, I can tell you're very ambitious with the the kind of things you take on as a musician. What does that, you know, music making process look like? Um, you know, what inspires you to try something new? Uh, what, you know, playing music, there's a lot of time alone where you're just, you know, whether you're reading music or listening and learning it and improvising so on and so forth, what does that look like? You know, what does a hour session at home alone, Adrian's music making process look like? Um, well, I guess, you know, it kind of just starts at the, at the very start of it from just really noodling almost. I kind of just like to pick up an instrument and start, either it could be chords it could just be single notes um and melodies but i think i've always found that for me it's starting with music and not having an idea where that's going to take me is is better than starting with like the concept and the words i know a lot of people that write that way and it's just really tough for me to do i find like i need to kind of be in almost like this this drone this like um, singing bowl style like feeling um, before anything can really come from it so when when I put some chords together even if it's like by accident or sometimes I'll mess up a chord I'm trying to play it and be like wait oh that sounds nice like what is that um, that's really where it comes from and it's almost I know more about music theory now than I did before but it's always been kind of that method for me and then as soon as I kind of get something rolling, I just start speaking over it or singing over it. And the words just kind of come out of it. I don't know how to explain it. It's just, I don't even, it's like I'm, if I turn my brain off, it works the best. Like I actually get things that just come out. And so I'm really appreciative of that style. But Oh, that's awesome. They, um, there's a term called flow that I'm sure a lot of people know, and it's when you, um, you're ultimately not thinking anymore, and it's just kind of you're, you're in the moment, and it's coming out naturally. And it, it sounds like you kind of like to try to dive into that flow state where you're not worried about the next note. You're more just kind of letting it come to you. Yeah, that sounds uh, like it. In terms, and maybe this is a two-part question, but currently, do you have 
um, any mentors and or if you were to harness the abilities of any two musicians, mentors or not, are there certain people that you look up to as, you know, just incredible artists that uh, you look up to as a, just ultimately people that you'd like to be and uh, that inspire you as well? Well, yeah, like absolutely. That's, that's a tough one to find too specifically. Um, from doing sound, you know, I just get to hear so much different types of music, so many different types of styles. Um, people from around the country, around the world in some cases. And it's really, really crazy to just see something you've never seen before for the first time and go, wow, I'd like, how do we even start to be able to do that? Um, so I don't have like a teacher right now or, or a mentor. Um, you know, I've always been a fan of Chris English, even though, you know, drums, drums and bass always kind of go together. So mm-hmm. we've kind of, I've kind of always been impressed one, his ability to sing so well while playing. Um, I've always kind of been like, how is he doing that exactly? Um, so things like that, I've, you know, even if it's a different instrument, I've been like, I wish I could just sit down and talk about it. Sometimes we do. Um, I actually am lucky I get to do that. Um, you know, for guitar, it's like Paul McCardle is, is just, just astounding in some of the things that he can do. And if, I ever wanted to really get into jazz on that level. He's definitely the person that I would pick for that. And just, just to name, I can't do two, so I'm going to do a third. Um, just cause I think Dexter Reddick, one of the great bass players uh, here in Rochester and his technique is one thing that I feel like I'm very not closed off, but I like using the, the fingering technique that I use and he uses a lot of different techniques. So I feel like getting a lessons from him would be really beneficial to just kind of approaching the instrument in a different way that's huge yeah and uh, shout out to all these rochester musicians i appreciate that um great music scene here uh, all the open jams prove it and um yes. love the collabs love the the local music um you're in multiple bands right now talk a little bit about what your current focus is um, and you know what we should be looking forward to. I know we're in a weird spot where no one can actually play live. Um, right. But what did things look like a month ago? And w- what's your six month landscape? You, you've, you're in Rage Chill and Friends, Eli Flynn's band, Everyman. I know you recently joined Darb Jansen. Um, those are your three main projects right now. Yeah, and you know subsoil as well as still we're still alive we kind of took a hiatus mm-hmm. and our plan was to be coming back you know fierce and strong um so that's the first thing that kind of is starting to get wavery because we can't even meet up um at first when things started to happen it almost seemed like like a, a good thing like oh my god so everyone can just meet up and we can just go in the studio and record <laughs> you know and the world will just stop around us um but then as things progressed, we realized that wasn't the case and we wouldn't even be able to do that. Um, so that's really put a damper on a lot of things at this point with, with Rage Chill and friends, um, Rachel and I have been working together for a couple of years and we've slowly just like, we're trying out different people in the band to figure out who fits well and just to tone our sound in. And we were planning on getting the stu- in the studio, like, 
like a week ago, I think was the original plan. Um, and it just, everything kind of came to a halt. So while we're still, you know, we're still in communication, I think I'm talking on an almost daily level with everyone I'm in a band with. Um, but it's just, we're like kind of like reaching out, you know, from far away to try to connect to each other. Um, and I think everyone's trying to figure out ways to reconnect musically without being physically there. Technology is helping. It's just like, man, if like me and Rachel right now could both play together on this, that would be amazing. Fortunately, technology is just like, just shy of having that happen. Cause you know, that would be a really beautiful thing. But um, yeah, you know, if, if we can get going in a couple months from there, I mean, I wanted to do a nice big tour with Rachel, write a bunch of new music, again, get in the studio with her. Subsoil is going to do a reunion. Uh, Darb Jansen, we were going to continue to do some festivals. Um, and we actually, our drummer, Charlie Huber, just got back. He was out west for a couple months. So he is, you know, he came back at kind of like a weird time. He messaged me like, I'm back. We should get together. And it's like, yeah, have you looked at the news though? Like, turns out you know we can't so it was that was kind of unfortunate and i mean we're all doing what we can at home but it's definitely come to just a standstill right now while we all try to figure out what's going to happen next yeah it's huge um definitely eye-opening and that that's what my focus has been trying to figure out how to utilize the technology and uh, what i have noticed is people are actually crazy on board with live streams they're crazy on board with buying music and sharing music and um my hope for the future is being able to have both um you know a band a, it's more than just showing up to the concert there's you know pre-games and sharing and live streams everybody's upping their live stream technology so a lot should come from that for sure um I'd love to get Rage Chill on the podcast as well. Uh, get everybody ultimately in Rochester doing what we're doing here because um, the combination of all the things is definitely a great thing. Uh, what I want more than anything, and I'm not sure, uh, I might be cutting out right now. I, I apologize if I am. There's a little bit of a technical issue. A little bit. Um, hope that stops because i was going to ask you if you wanted to play a, another number for us yeah i can do that so of course everyone who's live in the chat box i'm posting information for venmos paypals that kind of thing um when this is posted later it's going to be in the description check out the show notes for timestamps, links so on and so forth and uh com you know keep supporting local music it looks like adrian's got a gu electric guitar here um so i'm excited to see what you got for yeah. uh, what, what you got going for us adrian so this is actually a tune that me and rachel wrote together um it's called marauder and it's kind of about just kind of um an overlook at what festival people are like <laughs> you know the good the bad the ugly everything in between so that's what this is <laughs> 
In a cemetery, parking lot. Drop beats on my dashboard, and it's all that I got. It's parsley in the cup holder, and basil too. If you want some crystals, I got you, cause I'm a marauder. Where I go is my home. Oh, yeah. I said my freedom um, is my own Zip zippy zooey doo Buy it on Is my own Zippy zippy zooey doo Rum jugs in the back of my van Next to my dog Quarter pound of mushrooms We gotta hide from them hogs there's DMT, LSD, and some oils that we are feeling. Best of all, I got this guitar you are hearing, cause I'm a marauder. Where I go is my home, oh yeah. I said my freedom is my own. Kicking dust with my pin board, stumping through them pines. Really wish my neighbor would just share their lines. Nobody's got a sick for me, man, that's a drag. Best keep your motherfucking hands off my pirate flag Cause I'm a marauder Where I go is my home Oh yeah I said my freedom is my own Zaz a busy we do About on Is my own Zaz a busy we do is my own, yeah. Is my own, yeah. But do we do? Yeah, I loved it. I loved the jazzy feel. That that was fun. <laughs> my roommates cheering as well. I hear that. I hear that. Also, my daughter. It's, it's a family home here. Corinne actually said in the text box, hey, I know this song. Listen to it a hundred times. Aw. Much love. Oh, thank you, Corinne. Glad you could join us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome. There she is. There she is. I actually turned off people's videos just for the precaution that I didn't want the stream to be cutting in and out too much. Um, that that was great. Um, so you you and uh, Rage Joe wrote that together. Yeah, yeah. I was actually kind of putting the. We had this uh, meetup planned, 
and I was putting these chords together and it's, it was like this thought was just coming at me like a train. And as soon as she walked in the door, it was basically nothing short of grabbed her and was like, hey, look at this. Look what's going on. Let's do this. We're doing this right now. Let's go. And so it was just, it was just kind of like it was the magic was happening and we needed to, to take care of it right then. Um, and we sat down and wrote the lyrics and, and got some of the things put together. Um, that's going to be the, the first song we record in the studio. I think that's going to be a single. And I think I have some ideas about a music video. I think it could be a pretty funny video. Mm. Um, and I've had all sorts of ideas on what to do for that, potentially using Gabby Gogger's van as the van in the song. Um, cause she, her van definitely inspired part of it. So that's great. That's great. Um, what, what other inspirations do you draw from it? And when you actually go live, do you have any, you know, daily rituals to bring on the inspiration for a live performance? Um, anything you do to kind of, cause you just explained in this particular occasion, it just sort of came to you guys and you're like, we need to record this now. Is it, do you find that it's usually just a spur of the moment passion or do you have certain things that get you ultimately in the mood for songwriting, performing, so on and so forth? What, what does that generally look like for you? So I wish that I could have some kind of ritual that makes it happen because <laughs> that would be so much easier Unfortunately, it's like inspiration will just come at you in the most inconvenient times, really, for the most part. Like, I'll be, you know, going, walking the hall in the middle of between classes or whatever, and this melody will get stuck in my head, and I'll be like, oh, I gotta, oh man, I gotta like keep this in my head until I get home. And you try to like keep humming it, and then you, you have a conversation with somebody, or you're like, you know, you go to do something else, and it's gone forever. <laughs> back and it's the saddest thing ever um so it's it's tough like i've tried to keep you know like some kind of voice recorder i used to have one in college before it was easier to do on phones um so if sometimes you know if something hits i'll just kind of try to hum it into my phone for later and then try to sit down but sometimes it just the magic's gone by then as i, mm. I kind of try to describe so it's tough What's it look like when you're going back and listening to your hums and listening to your thoughts? Are you like, well, what, what was I thinking? Do, do you remember? Oh, for sure. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I'm like, what, where did this come from? You know, or like, especially if it's like in a weird genre, I don't usually do. Mm -hmm. Like if I, I'm like, what was going on that day where I made a punk rock song? Like why, who was I angry at? You know, that made me do that. So it's it's interesting sometimes Some, you know the most i'd say 90 percent of that stuff just gets thrown right out if i listen to it later and maybe 10 percent gets kept and at least try to make a song out of mm -hmm. is there any like name drop examples of songs that you were like what was i thinking and it ended up coming to fruition and uh people uh, <laughs> you know not really because i actually it's like as time goes on, there's a lot of songs that I wrote that I just didn't even have recorded and kind of just like went to the wayside. Um, every now and then I'll like pull up my old um, SoundCloud account. <laughs> See, some of the things I worked on like, you know, eight years ago 
Um, some of them I'm definitely like, oh, what was that? But there's sometimes where you look back at something and you're like, wait a second, that was actually, I didn't think anything of it. I didn't want to post it then, but maybe I do now. Um, you know, and then there's stuff like, oh, I was doing this in a program that I wasn't used to. So I wasn't like, you know, it didn't come out as good as it could have. There's, there's all sorts of different factors in it. Um, but yeah, no, I don't have any, I might have like some lyrics and poems. It's the same thing with poetry. I have like poems, some, some places that I read and I'm like, what was I on for this one? <laughs> Speaking of, you know, programs and technologies and having that be ultimately a, a massive part in how things sound and how they come out. Is there any one to three to five items that are currently in your arsenal technology that you absolutely could not live without? Um, did I cut out for you? Yeah, I got the question though. Um, cool. So, so uh, honestly, one thing that's been really helpful is just accessibility to something. As I said, when when an idea hits you, you want to just be able to basically get it out on an instrument as, as soon as you can. Um, Clay just was like, I got this guitar. It never sounds good. Can I bring it over? It's just, I've never had an acoustic guitar. I've always just played electric. But sometimes it's like by the time I get everything plugged in and, you know, like got to search for power cables and things like that. And then I sit down and I'm like, wait, how did that go? So I actually like, it's actually sitting over there. Oh yeah, you can't see it. Um, So she brought it over and then was, you know, at the end of the day when I was like, oh, you just got to do this, you know, tweaked it a little bit and gave it back to her. And she was like, nah, I feel like it's better here. It'll get played. I was like, cool. Um, So that's, that's really, it's, I guess that's not, well, it is technology, but not really technology. Mm -hmm. Um, When it comes to like recording and stuff, um part of my issue right now is just space like if i just had kind of like a studio that was set up all the time like this i don't know how this looks if it looks good but this is <laughs> like where i do all my homework and school stuff like it's not specifically a music spot so i think that you know the next place i live i want that to be a thing where i can have a 32 channel mixer hooked up to a computer that's just like i can press one button and we can go like that's that's the dream so i think that will help um i, I also have a a keyboard um that's helped me write a little bit almost just because of the function of being able to to press a random drum beat behind you know whatever i'm working on um that's actually really helpful just to give give it some flavor and perspective sometimes that helps me you know, if I'm writing jazz beat or a funk beat, I'm like, oh wait, what if I play it like funk style? And mm-hmm. it kind of it might might make the song better or worse. It depends, but so that's that's a cool little thing too. I love it. I love it. And um, a little less technology, but I, I'm curious. This is something I'm always super curious about. Um, is if you were to gift an album, or maybe one or two or three if you were to gift an album to a friend and be like, listen, you need to check this out because blank, um, what would that gift be? And beyond that, um, if there's any things you'd like gifted to you, because uh, that, that really gets into the nitty gritty of things, you know, it's, uh, I see a lot of live shows 
there's a lot of great musicians, but could you pinpoint a few albums, a few um, or concerts that you would recommend people see that you'd be like, listen, you got to check that one out. Jeez, oh, <laughs> um, albums are a tough one for me. Mm. I like, I like a lot of different music. I grew up with a lot of old like oldies, classic rock type stuff, Zeppelin, and The Who and all that stuff. I think that stuff is cool maybe to give somebody younger who hasn't ever heard that stuff because it's timeless. And even a lot of the tropes that are in that music keep coming back over and over again. Um, so I think it's always good to like, you know, if, if people haven't heard like Tommy, like mm. put that record out immediately and play it because it's amazing. Um, you know, but... Concerts might be a little easier. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think. I saw Hall and Oates recently. It was actually a gift from my mom. She was like, "We should go see Hall and Oates." And you know, you, they're just like it's like popular music and back in the day. But the way it's it's done live was really impressive, and I would definitely recommend anybody to go see that um, if they can. I miss the old panda and I miss Thunderbody a lot because I think part of that's I have the sentimental value because I was growing up, you know, and I was really young and musicians on a stage still seemed like gods to me then. <laughs> um, they still do sometimes, but um, like it was just like seeing the most glorious thing then. And they had the psychedelic nature to them that I, I feel like got lost somewhere. It's still there. It's like, underneath it all but i i loved the that psychedelic reggae style um and you can kind of see that in some other groups right now i can't really name any off the top of my head um but that i don't know there's just something about that element that and you know it it also appears in bands like soundtrap sector 9 sts9 and papadocio and stuff like that great shows because you just get lost in the sauce you gotta have the sauce navigator there's somewhere to help you out. So I'm with you, man. I'm happy you said that. Well, one of my first major groundbreaking moments at a show was Giant Panda Party in the Park. It had to have been 2010 or around then. And I didn't know much reggae music beyond, you know, Bob Marley, Sublime kind of stuff. And to see that local psychedelic roots reggae live you get hooked, you know, it's something that you can encapsulate. You can't even just record the, the live experience is really the, the most special part. Uh, I'm wondering if you have any pinpoint moments, whether it's when you were five, 15 to now, but a live show that you feel like almost was a tipping point in your musical career or just your enjoy, enjoyment of music, a specific band or moment that you're like, holy bleep this is incredible <laughs> um yeah there's one thing i think it's just like a unique moment that i got to experience it was right when i became a staff writer at the newspaper and there was um this piece that i got to go go to see um and review the eastman organists playing um in buffalo and I had really never, besides being in church when I was like really little, I hadn't really ever heard anyone play, you know, an organ. And I hadn't really thought about it until, 
you know, I'm talking to these guys and I'm like, wait, so your instrument is this room, this like massive room is the, it was really the chamber of the instrument. Like, like the body of the guitar is the room that all the people are sitting in. And, you know, my favorite moment when I asked, you know, what's it like to go up and just play an instrument you never played? I got like one of the best quotes I've ever gotten. And I said, it's like getting to know a friend, but getting to know a friend, you got to know very quickly. And I was like, I, I, I had a lot of like amazing moments just sitting in that room in just the amount of sound that, you know, there's these things are like four stories tall, you know, mm-hmm. and that's not, that's not the instrument. That's one note of the instrument. Um, so I, I definitely tell anybody who hasn't had this experience to go and have it because it's really like nothing else, you know, you can ever imagine. And for people, you know, who are very skilled in playing it, not just somebody at a church, you know, like some old lady named Nancy who's <laughs> kind of tired out and she's getting sick of, of all the hymns. Um, somebody with passion playing it is like, there's nothing like it. It's beautiful. It sounds like you're very drawn to the organ. Um, it's such a beautiful traditional sound. Um, and with a piano background, I could see that. Is there any instruments or activities that you haven't delved in? If you could pick up a new hobby tomorrow and be a pro at it, what, what would that be? A hundred percent drums. Okay. I have never, I've never been able to, to like own a drum set. I've been in houses that I've lived in that have had drum sets there and I've tried to play them as much as I can. Um, and all the places I've lived in, even if I wanted to, I wouldn't have the room to put mm. a drum set anywhere, sadly. Um, maybe that's another thing for the next, next house I live in. Um, but there, there's just, it's just so, fun. like anytime I just get to play it, there's just nothing, it's, you know, it's challenging. It's such a challenging thing to separate your limbs like that. But there's no other instrument that's really anything like it, you know. But it's it's rhythm is such a deep component with inside of all of us that it's it's oddly obtainable or attainable. Sorry, it's oddly there. You know, there's there's something in all of us that that has rhythm. Um, so to just sit down and be be able to bring that out is is like nothing else. I love that. I appreciate you saying that. Um, First, let me just mention, if anybody here wants to ask any questions, I want to open it up to the room, make a chat box or like flare your arm around. But talking about, you know, rhythm being in everything. I remember personally, we had a school project where we were supposed to not use technology for an entire day. Now, of course, what, what did I do? I just took a hike, you know, but I remember um, hearing our alarm. And just hearing that, and like trying to beatbox to it. And there's something primal, there's something primal about drums, there's something primal about rhythm that everybody has. Some people are just honing it uh, and perfecting it at a, at a craft craftsman level. Um, I didn't see any flares. I'm I'm curious if the audience has any questions. Not that that's okay as well. Don't be shy. <laughs> I see a lot of like 
dreary faces right now. <laughs> trying to think a little hard. Don't think so hard. Well, and, and that's quite all right. We are on the recorded live Rochester Groovecast section of this. What we're going to do very shortly, and for anyone who wants to come on late podcasts, what we're going to do is um, just hang out, and you can ask any questions you want. We'll jam some more. We'll chill. Um, I want to ask just a few closing questions, and I want to send people in the right way to follow you. Um, and I'm curious in terms of everything, I think it's a good closing question in terms of all the things you've created. I mean, you've played in so many bands. You've, uh, you play multiple instruments um, ever since you were young. Is there any one, two, three, four things that you're most proud of? be it an album, a song, um, playing at uh, opening or headlining a, a certain show. Anything stick out? Is it some proud moments for you, Adrian? Um, well, Subso got to open for George Clinton mm. a couple times, actually. Party in the Park was the most memorable because I got to smoke a joint with George Clinton in my car. Um, so that, that was a neat moment where I was kind of like, oh, I think... I think I feel like I made it in music now if I'm smoking with George Clinton. Um, but other than that, I mean, I'm actually, I'm starting to go back. I was talking about the SoundCloud stuff. I'm starting to go back um, and re-listen to some of those songs. Um, I can I can give you a link to post with that too or like share it. Because um, I kind of, I'd like to redo some of them. Again, I didn't have the technology I had then. But I actually am proud of a lot of those tunes. One of them I'm going to play um, coming right up. Mm. That was kind of like my first, it was actually the first song I ever wrote for a girl. And I had a bunch of girlfriends that were always like, oh, you're a musician, write a song about me. And I always tell everybody the same thing, which is be careful what you wish for, because you never know if it's going to be after the relationship that I write a song about you. Um, this isn't the case with the song, but you know, there's, there's good and bad emotions that come out for, with music. And, um, I think, you know, but I, I eventually just, just found like that, that love emitting in music through a song. And I was like, you know what? I think this is cool. And I turned it into what ended up being, I think 33 recorded tracks, um, of me doing, I think everything, wow. um, from percussion to bass to guitar, to overdubs of guitar solos to you know all, all sorts of different stuff um and i think by the end of it when i finally listened to the final product i was like great i hate it but <laughs> <laughs> um you know I, I came back to it and i'm you know starting to to like it again so i think sometimes you just you listen to something over and over again and you, you can get sick of your own music even. So I think it's good to take a step back and maybe say, you know, I am proud of this. I think I did, you know, put the emotion out there. I wanted to. Awesome. Yeah. That that's great feedback. Um, to double down on some feedback here. Um, I'm curious for the, the young, the young guns, the young, the young bucks, Zach Dool's in the background on video here now. Any any concrete advice for someone getting started in the music business and uh, whether it's something you did well or something that you screwed up, any concrete advice and example that, that can help someone ultimately be successful in music? I think what helped me the most and the advice that I could give would just don't be a one-trick pony. 
um, especially now where we have access to so many people who are absolutely ridiculous and they're like seven years old. Like there's so many seven year old musicians like in Japan that could, you know, run circles around me. Um, and I think, you know, seeing that is disheartening at first. Um, but there's, there's so many different aspects of music and not even just talking about career paths, but there's so many different, um, aspects in just like, does it have feeling and heart, you know, not just technical ability, um, things like that. Victor Wooten actually touches on, on that in his, his autobiography, um, which is a really great, which you all should read. It's called the music lesson. And that kind of delves into a lot of, you know, when it's, you're not just, everyone's learning technique and theory, but there's feel, you know, and it's, it goes, it gets a little trippy at points too, but the idea is like, there's, this isn't just um, a thing that's on paper, you know, that you can just sit down and do. There are people that do that, mm-hmm. but to, for music to be real and for you to be a real composer, you got to have all these different areas of expertise coming together. So yeah, so don't be a one trick pony. Try to learn as much as you can in different areas, branch out. And yeah, I think that's my best advice. I, I think it's great advice. It seems like even not in music, but in any craft, when you can do everything that anyone in the room can do and you can train and help other people, you're you're going to knock it out of the park. So it seems like that would work for no matter what you do. Sure. Um, I have a new question that I've thrown into the Rochester Groovecast podcast. I want to ask this question to close out with every guest. And then I do want you to close the segment out with another tune. Um, but this question, this is the premiere of the new question. It's going to be on every podcast. Um, okay. And it's and it's the billboard question. If you were to... I thought it was going to be, who are you wearing? Who are you wearing? <laughs> no, no, no. Anyway, go go on, sorry. Um, so let's say you have the ability, uh, there's a billboard, um, doesn't matter where it is. It's in a very highly populated area and you have that billboard. It's not to promote yourself per se, but it's to promote an idea or message, whether it's a word, a, a sentence or a paragraph, what would that billboard say that, that you would want to ultimately have the world see? Um, so i you know, it's hard to, to, to not sound cliche. I think we're just kind of thinking about what would fit on a billboard. I'm sure we all have like messages for the world that, you know, we could, we could write pages and pages on, um, you know, right now, I think it's important for people to just vote really is like, but that would be my biggest message if I could put it on a billboard, um, and that's just thinking about what, what I could tell, I could tell the masses anything. Cause I think we need a lot of changes in our, our current atmosphere. And I think people are frustrated about it and I see the frustration, but I want people to really put their pen where their mouth is, you know? Thank you. It's uh, I appreciate that. Go vote everybody. And, um, what else should we do? How should we follow up with you, Adrian? What, wh- where should we find you? How do, what's the follow-up process looking like? Where, where can I follow you? Where can I uh, get in touch? Where can I check out new music to come? Um, well, my address is 36. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you, can, you can find me on Facebook. You know, I have, I have an artist page that is literally just my name. 
Um, but I post, whoops, I post kind of just everything that I'm doing since I'm in different projects. Sorry, I had to pick up the keyboard I dropped. Since I'm in different projects, I, I thought it would be helpful to have one music page where I could kind of cross promote all the different things I'm doing. So it's kind of a one-stop shop for anything Adrian. Um, so that's just my name, which is spelled weird. So it's A-D-R-I-E-N, D apostrophe A-N-G-E-L-O. Um, so, you know, you can find that. I Again, I have to look up this SoundCloud link. I'll, I will check on that. I'm pretty sure it's Studio Low Tones, um, which is also the name of this little project I'm doing right now with a lot of the people I'm playing music with. Um, and Joe Kaplan, who's, who was on, on my first little show that I tried to do. Um, so that's coming up. That's something you'll see on Facebook as well. Um, actually, I was just asked by Matt Rammerman to play um, on a kind of like Zoom festival type thing. Actually, I don't know if it's Zoom, but it's a streaming festival this weekend. Um, so I'll be doing a show on Sunday. I'll be playing more solo stuff. Um, so that's kind of cool. I think we're still trying to figure out what platform we want to put it on. But if you don't know Matt Rarman, he owns the the Green Room, which is one of the the premier recording studios in Rochester. He's a great guy, great drummer. Um, so he's kind of putting this on. There's going to be a bunch of more. I think it's a lot more of the tech-savvy people who might have the right equipment to stream with and um, their, you know, their immense talent. Um, so that's fun. And then from there, I mean, I don't know. You can email me, studiolowtones at gmail.com. If you have any questions after this, feel free to hit me up. Um, and you'll see me, you know, hopefully out with, with all of these groups, Subsoil, Rage Chillin' Friends, Darb Jansen, um, maybe some stuff with Eli too in the future. So Awesome. Studiolowtones at gmail.com. Facebook, Adrian D'Angelo. A D R I E N D A N G E L O. Check, Check it out. out the apostrophe. Be in the. There's an apostrophe after the D. I'm sure Facebook would figure it out for you. But um, all this information will be in the show notes. It'll be in all the descriptions. Check that out. Follow up. I'll also post Adrian's Venmo as well. Um, thank you for checking out the Rochester Groovecast podcast in a brand new format um, after this. So I want everybody who's listening to come to the next one because we have a chill session beforehand where you can get warmed up. And then after this, we're going to be hanging out indefinitely. Um, as long as people want to chill, you can grab a beer, you can do a shot. We're going to get and have fun um this will be posted soon but thank you again for listening to the podcast i i want adrian to have the the torch to close this out um and uh rachel actually says she has a question so before we close this out let me see if i can get her uh on camera here and uh hear some yeah, i saw her hand go up awesome yeah i missed that mr lotones I have one simple question for you. I've heard through the grapevine that you make incredible electronic music. Would you care to divulge those details about your secret electronic project? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I have I have a couple a couple of tunes on that SoundCloud I was talking about that I, I did a while ago. I want to get back into making electronic music because it's it's fun and different. Um. And I think, 
you know, actually, Rachel, you have talked to me about wanting to do it as well. So I think that you're going to see some of that happening because um, you got a great voice and it would sound great over some electronic music. So let's expect to see that as well. You might say my next question was, do you foresee Rage Chill doing any vocal collaboration on your electronic project? I like your mustache. And yes. (laughs) (laughs) The mustache and the reporter microphone thing is really great look for you. (laughs) Cool. Happy to hear it. You're muted, Ben. I can't hear you. I muted myself. Oh. Adrian, do you want to close out uh, with something fun for us here? Yep. I got one more for you. Awesome. Awesome. This tune is called Fire in the Flood. In the floor, I see waves and make believe rains. There's a fire, then it started. It started and take hold me. Oh, 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 oh. in a face how could I ever choose one the coroner of danger for our humble fantasies there's a fire in the blood I see waves and make believe frames there's a fire and it's starting, it's starting, take a hold of me. Oh, 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 I can't explain the way I feel Memories could not compare We were so far apart But look where we are Look where we are There's a fire in the flood I see waves and make believe there's a fire and it's starting, starting to take a hold.
yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, thanks, y'all. Great stuff, Adrian. Yeah.